This is the Family Culture Project, episode 66. The one thing that may be missing in your family with Figs O'Sullivan. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. Good communication is a skill. Unfortunately, we're not born with the ability to talk with one another in a way that makes us feel heard and understood. If we did, our relationships and marriages would be much easier. Now, I don't know about you, but my biggest frustration in marriage is trying to communicate with someone that's not like me. What are you talking about me? (laughs) I am talking about you. (laughs) Most of us are married or are in relationships with people that don't have the same personality as us. They don't have the same Enneagram number, the same baggage as we do. And so it can often be frustrating when trying to talk to someone, especially when we're in conflict. And this is where empathy comes in, something that I am lacking of completely, but we are committed (laughs) to following Fig's advice and become more empathetic. When we have empathy for one another, not only does the person that we're talking to feel good, but we feel good too. It's like a magic power that allows us to see the big picture. It allows us to reach our goals and to come to a common consensus. And it also connects you to the person that you're talking with. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about empathy. Having empathy for someone does not mean automatically agreeing with them, which is my biggest obstacle in applying it to conflicts. For sure. (laughs) I think we often think that if we empathize with the other person that they're right or that they're their perspective is true. And I know for us, sometimes it's difficult for us to maybe... You you don't want to admit that I'm right most (laughs) of the time. (laughs) But you also don't want to empathize with me because you think it has it makes my because point you're of wrong. View. no <laughs> see that's exactly that's exactly the problem exactly. right there I got it. <laughs> um empathy is also not a weakness in fact it's a strength because it takes a lot of self-control and the ability to slow down and stop focusing on our agenda which... I, ag- I agree it's a strength but it really feels like a weakness sometimes yeah it does feel like a weakness um But I also think being stubborn can be a weakness as well. When we can have empathy for one another, when we slow down long enough to be mindful in the thoughts of the feelings of the person that we're talking to. So it has less to do with agreement, a less to do with even um, like giving up our opinion and more to do with just considering that that person has something to say, that they feel a certain way, that they've experienced a certain thing, and just acknowledging and validating that. And our guest goes more in-depth about what exactly that looks like. Wait a second. I think I missed it. Did you just say I was stubborn? No. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this week's guest, Fig O'Sullivan, he's a relationship expert who's passionate about healing relationships by focusing on empathy. So what's really interesting, and he'll talk to you more about this in the interview, that he focuses on empathy first, and he's not focusing on behavior. He's not focusing on who's right or who's wrong when he works with couples in any given situation, but he's getting them to connect first with empathy before they do anything else, um, which I found this approach really interesting and really appealing. His interview helped me to really understand what empathy is and why it's important. And like I said, mentioned earlier, he gives us a few common scenarios 
that we can all relate to to illustrate how powerful empathy is. And I think the key is that those illustrations really um, bring the point home and make us truly understand what it would look like and how we can start having empathy ourselves. I was definitely challenged to have more empathy for you, Carl. I have no idea why. Even when it's not easy um, and even when we have conflict. I know you will enjoy this episode, and when it's done, I hope you head over to Fig's website and check out his incredible resources. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet to help you connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you are doing as a family. It's like a 360 peer review, but for families. It takes the guesswork out of planning because it includes everything you need to host your own family retreat, such as a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com, and for only $4.99, you can download the Family Retreat Packet and host your family retreat. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com slash shop to get your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Figs O'Sullivan. Figs is the founder and chief empathy officer at Empathy, which provides step-by-step guidance for couples and individuals who care about their relationships. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist who is certified in emotionally focused therapy for couples and individuals. He's a passionate entrepreneur driven to change lives for the better. All right, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. One of the questions that we ask all of our guests on the show is, what is your family known for? What is my family known for? My family is known for being fun and bold and playful mm-hmm. um, and very connectful uh, with, with, with other people in mm-hmm. our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'd say that, that would be. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I think nowadays we're, there's so many people that aren't connected to the people in their community. So that's right. really wonderful. Well, well, I have to be honest. I, I have to give most credit to that to my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, and my dog. <laughs> yeah, dogs right. help. Dogs A lot of people know each other good. from walking the dog, right? Yeah, but my wife is really friendly. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not unfriendly, but... <laughs> Six three two twenty, like yeah. balding, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, um, not you know, scary looking. Mm. You know, even <laughs> I'm a therapist, but no, my wife is the is really really friendly. And then like having little kids, I have a two year old and a five year old. Mm-hmm. So like you know, they just like people. It's great because people will come, whether it's the dog or the kids. Or yeah. My wife talking to anybody and everybody. Yeah. You no, know, we just get to know people in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, you specialize in empathy. I would love for you to start yeah. out and tell us what empathy is, because yeah. I've actually was talking to a few of my friends about this interview and everyone's like, which one's empathy? What, which one's sympathy? Which one's compassion? What does it mean? Like, and everyone kind of like knows what it is, but doesn't really know what it is. So I'd love for you to yeah. explain that to us to start yeah. us off. Yeah. The simplest is it's just your ability to feel what someone else is feeling. Mm-hmm. really yeah. that simple yeah you know and i and i think you know this is one of the things that can be confusing about empathy in and of itself empathy is a neutral experience mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it compels you to do something mm. 
Yeah. Right. So that's almost like a different thing, right? That might be yes. compassion then that you actually then take that feeling of empathy and you activate into doing something nice for something or caring, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But but empathy is just the actual uh, cognitive and or um physiological mm-hmm. um <clears throat> state of feeling what someone else is feeling. Mm-hmm. And so when I say cognitively, you it could be as you mightn't feel it in your body. Right. But you get it. You're like, someone says, like, I'm really hungry. And you're like, oh, geez, I totally know what that's like. Right. So you didn't feel hunger when they said you're hungry. So, but you cognitively get it. Yes. Right. You're hungry. Of course you'd be hungry. Right. Like, oh, I know what it's like to be hungry. Yeah. You're not like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter to me. Whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and then, of course, biologically or physiologically feeling empathy. And I think parents, some, a lot of parents get this more than others or more than other people. Is like when my, when my kids are running down the street, like, you know, my two-year-old is really into running as fast as he can. He's just sprinting down the street. And I feel anticipatory empathy. And I literally feel it in my legs. I'll feel a pain. <laughs> in my body at the thought of him falling and when you know when he does fall i feel the a physical sensation in my body of pain yeah right so that's an obvious one right that would be you know uh, yeah, that would be like someone that has the physiological ability to feel empathy right yeah and then of course you know what i do then it's not so much you're trying to get people to feel empathy for physical pain Mm-hmm. We're trying to get people to actually be able to share emotional experiences with each mm-hmm. other. Right? And, and then, you know, I was saying like empathy is this neutral experience. But here's the thing. What I do is I primarily work with couples, right? And so I trust, and 99% of the time it's, it works, right? That if I can get two people that somehow got together because they loved each other once upon a time, and I get them into a shared empathic moment, with mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. that they will be compelled to fill that moment with love and kindness, comfort, soothing, mm-hmm. snuggles, mm-hmm. nose kisses. Yeah. Um, you know, that they'll actually be able to find each other again. So I actually don't work that hard at trying to help people be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And how to like, like change your behavior. Behavior, yeah. Uh, I don't work on that. I work on helping people have empathy mm-hmm. and then they'll be a, a magic. It's like, almost like a magical bridge mm-hmm. appears when people yeah. have empathy for each other yeah. that, you know, that they can find each other again. Yeah. And so is that why it's so important to, to have empathy when you're in a relationship in a family? Exactly. And absolutely. Right. Because everybody else's experience is valid. Mm-hmm. Right. And because you're you didn't grow up the same way as they did or you don't have the same sensitivities that they do. When mm-hmm. let's say I come home an hour late, you and I talk for like, you know, three hours today. We're just mm-hmm. having a great old podcast. But I was supposed to meet my wife like, you know, um, you know, two hours ago or something. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really, she, given her life experiences and where her sensitivities are, she might feel really hurt and not considered and feel abandoned, right? And, and yet, let's say I don't have those same sensitivities, 
So I, I don't have a place inside me that I can actually go, well, it totally makes sense that you'd be hurting. I get it. I know why you'd now be angry with me and disappointed in me. I'm just like, hey, what's, the, what's the big deal? It didn't cost you anything. Right, right, right. Right? You, you got to have like two hours to like, you know, you know, exercise more or whatever. Like, so that's pretty, that would be a pretty awful situation that like she's, my wife would be in that situation. I'm totally making this up, obviously. Yeah. I like, um, <laughs> She'd be in genuine certifiable suffering and suffering in relationship to me because I wasn't there for her in some way. That was really important to her. And then I can't validate, accept her experience is true. I can't validate her and I can't let her see you make sense and that I actually feel like at least I get it cognitively or I feel why you'd be hurting. Because underneath, like... Without that basic level of your experience is valid, nothing good's going to happen after that, right? Because yeah. you can like she's sad, like because I wasn't there, and then on top of that, I add insult to injury, in, injury by invalidating her experience. What are you so upset yeah. about, right? Yeah. Okay, now I better like you know run for cover, right? Things yeah. are going to get you know pretty bad now if i responded like that so look empathy is like the most basic thing we got to have for each other if we want to be able to get along yeah oh my gosh i'm trying not to turn this podcast into a therapy session because i'm oh, like questions 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 yeah yeah of course <laughs> um yeah you know i find you know and, and this is what i was intending on in asking you anyways like there's so many multiple pa- personalities and various experiences that we carry into our relationships we carry you know into our marriages and um there are so many times when my husband and he will listen to this podcast legitimately has no idea why i feel the way i do right and and it's so hard to bridge that gap so so how do how do we bridge that gap like how do we i mean yeah. that's the big question right like that's a great question a great question and so here's the thing and this is where this is why, like, it's actually, I think, within a long-term relationship and or marriage, right, being mm-hmm. a form of long-term relationship, is the best place to learn empathy, right? Because it's actually almost like the hardest. Mm, because, yeah. because we have to have empathy in both directions. So let's mm-hmm. just say, like, and I don't know what it is you're feeling, but let's say you, again, you're feeling not prioritized by your husband, mm-hmm. right? It's like Super Bowl weekend. And he's busy painting the house, his favorite team's colors and, you know, (laughs) know, buying his favorite team colored popcorn or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever, picking out the colors he doesn't like, right? While you're, you're sitting there ignored and, you know, what about me? Right. So it totally makes sense. You'd be hurting, right? Yeah. But then here's the reality, friend. This is harder to get, right? So your pain totally makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? And this is totally makes sense to me, right? But... Let's just say it's true that he was oblivious. He's just being him, right? He's like, this is just me, just being myself, right? (laughs) And I know your husband isn't like this, but you know what I mean? This is an extreme example because it just makes it easy. And then he finds out that me being me was a huge disappointment to my wife. Mm. He, in that moment, is also now in a certifiable moment of suffering. Mm. So even though, look... (laughs) All of the actions we can look at that he took, you know, the inviting the 30 friends over for the game, <laughs> you like, like, you know, the, the kegs, like everything, it makes yeah. sense that you'd be hurting and upset. 
But now his moment-to-moment experience of discovering me being me is a disappointment that I'm unacceptable. And it looks like the person who's my main person to know that I'm good enough in the world is upset with me and disappointed in me. He's actually having a very vulnerable experience too, even though he may never use a word like Mm. vulnerable, right? He's actually in certifiable suffering. So here's what's really hard. At some point, we need to have empathy for both people's experiences. It can't be, well, you, 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 you started it. When you like started going Super Bowl crazy. And then of course mm-hmm. he's going, yeah, but like, why did you get your knickers in a twist? Yeah. Dear wife of mine, right? Sorry, that's an Irish. <laughs> that's Irish okay. I love it. No, I love it. Sorry. I'll try and keep the No, Irish <laughs> no please don't. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, so look, the first thing we always have to do with a couple is before we're working deeply with empathy for any one person. Mm-hmm. We have to get to a place that we, uh, we have empathy for both people. Mm-hmm. Because all, all issues in a relationship, if we're going to make a, a relationship better, mm-hmm. right? We, and I say we because it would be me and the couple. We're going to work mm-hmm. on it together, right? Mm-hmm. Like We got to get to a place that we can see our issues are a systemic issue, an us issue, not mm-hmm. a me. Yeah, I think that's where we get stuck. Exactly. And that, you know, that's like everybody, one of the ways I put it is everybody comes to my office as the world renowned expert in the problems of their spouse or partner. <laughs> you know, or another way I put it, like if I was going to hold a conference next week on your husband's problems, mm-hmm. you would be the keynote speaker. Yeah. And he would be the keynote speaker yeah. at your conference. Yeah. Right? Totally. And we got to, we got to like, right, you're, you're the world renowned expert, nothing more to learn, which is good because now we can stop focusing on the problems mm-hmm. of your spouse. Yeah. And we got to then pay attention to two other things instead. And those two other things instead are, um, what is it that we co-create together? How could we have a conference next week where you jointly present, look what we create together mm-hmm. when we're stuck mm-hmm. and get, 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 you know, get in um, a cycle, a system mm-hmm. with each other, right? And then, of course, the other thing is, Look, whoa, look at what I do when I'm hurting and how I react and the impact it has on you. God, your reactivity now makes a bit more sense to me. Like, so did you become a little bit more of an expert on yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that's okay. like, so, so at the early stages of couples counseling, you know, with this work on empathy, everything is about trying to see if we can take your two separate stories about what happened. You know, again, the, yeah. you know, the, the wife who's like, how could you have spent the whole weekend planning for that game? Right? <laughs> and then the husband is like, oh, I don't get it. Look, everybody does this. I can't believe you're getting upset. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We like take those two separate stories. Yeah. Now, those two separate stories, nothing good is going to happen as long as they're just stuck in those two separate stories. Right. We combine those two separate stories into one story where both people fit inside. And mm-hmm. that just I'll do it right off the top of my head. It's like, so, you know, the wife and that, this made up story that now we're going with, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, she's feeling really alone, not prioritized, not considered. And it really hurts. And when she feels that way, she blames, criticizes, and, you know, and, you know, calls his family and tells them mm-hmm. also what a terrible person he is. 
what a terrible spouse he is. And then he feels really bad about himself inside and feels powerless. And like, it's on, he just cannot tolerate sitting in that. So he defends himself and minimizes her feelings. But of course, the more he defends himself and minimizes her feelings, the more alone and not prioritized and not considered she's going to feel. So now she's actually going to take out a billboard in the town to actually tell everyone in the town how, how crappy he is as a husband. And so now he'll feel even more powerless, even more awful about himself. And so he's mm-hmm. going to double down on defending himself with his yeah. own billboard. Yeah. And on and on it goes. But yeah. locked inside that story, we can see, oh my God, look at how we got stuck together. Yeah. Ouch. This is awful for you. It's awful for me. And both of the things we've been doing, especially taking out billboards in our town, telling each other how awful we are, this has been a disaster. Oh, right. I'm right there in that, oh, right, that we're both hurting and we're only hurting because we love each other and we're both doing things that hurt the other person. That's where there could be an outbreath and we could de-escalate mm-hmm. and maybe we could find our way back to each other again. Mm-hmm. So we got it. We got to cha- shift the narrative and not get lost in who started it, who was the bigger bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and because if we do that and we get to that place where there's an outbreath and we're de-escalated, then we might be able to study, like let's say that wife in this example again. She mm-hmm. wants to start immediately with, so what the hell's the story with you ignoring me and thinking you could turn our house into a Super Bowl party, right? What's up mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. Are you out of your mind? She mm-hmm. wants to start there, right? But we can't start there because it'll just no. keep the cycle going. But yeah. if we get that de-escalated moment, now that we're de-escalated, now I might be able to turn to the husband and say, come here, what, what do you think that's about? What yeah. do you think is going on for you? And, and then what really happens for you in a moment when you discover you're in trouble again? Now we might be able to have a really good exploration about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And the same, we might be able to turn to the wife and like, so, oh, like, I understand, like, that really hurts, you know? Like, it might be able to explore more what's happening in both people and help them yeah. really understand each other. Yeah. We're not going to understand each other in an escalated moment, right? Yeah. People are too busy fighting, flighting, or freezing. Yeah. So if I'm somebody who wants to start from a really healthy place, where is that? Let's just say well, I, I know better, and I'm like, okay, I'm not well, going to go down this road. Well, this is a tough one, right? This is a tough one because, so let me just do some, give you some of the basics, right? All my mm-hmm. work is based on this thing called attachment theory. And I'd say a lot of your listeners, right, because you focus on family are familiar mm-hmm. with attachment theory. But in short, mm-hmm. attachment theory is the best theory we have of what love is. It's just, we all need to be emotionally bonded, attached from the mm-hmm. cradle to the grave. Mm-hmm. It's not optional. Hardwired in. Yeah. We were running around in the savannas 100,000 years ago. Or like six thousand. <laughs> Sorry, don't know who your listeners are. I don't know that does it? However, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. So when we were running around the savannas, right? Like, and then all of a sudden you had a baby, right? That baby had to like know that someone was there for me, mm-hmm. for me to survive. Right. We are useless as mammals. We are useless. My kids are five and two. They still do nothing to help. Mm-hmm. right like like we're just useless as human beings compared to other mammals right other mammals like by two they're up and running around and like you know but you know so so mm-hmm. basically you have to have a good enough other on the other side of your birth um to survive 
Mm-hmm. And that good enough other, not only do they have to be physically present, but they actually have to look at you like you're enough for them or else you're in big trouble. Right? You're going to be like left um, ostracized by the, by the tribe, you know, for being a disappointment. So, so you're, it's built in over, you know, a very long period of time. Um, that you feel the stress when it looks like your primary attachment figure, the person you turn to to know that you're, you're there for me, someone's here for me, and that I'm good enough for you. When it looks like those things aren't true, it's going to be very distressing on the most fundamental level in your limbic system, your emotional body, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be very, very distressing. And so you're, the part of you that just asked the question, how do I be good? That's a, that's a very that's a, from an evolutionary perspective that's a very young part of us mm-hmm. and that part of us as much as we think we're really smart and we are right we mm-hmm. you know, and we managed to ruin our lives with iphones and other things very very smart yeah. right but but it's it's never going to be able to override your your body's deep response to of threat when it looks gotcha. like my yeah. primary attachment figure is not there for me yeah so, as i often say it even the dalai lama himself right or let's say whoever you think the holiest yeah the, the person who you think is the most loving and kind in the world right like you know if i walked up to the dalai lama and i like smashed my foot down on his toe as hard as i could mm-hmm. He has six seconds where his brain is hijacked, his amygdala and his hypothalamus are firing like, like he's under threat and he's going to fight, flight, freeze. He's going to look at me and goes, hey, what the hell was that about? Before mm-hmm. on sex, uh, second seven, he returns to, it's okay, my son. <laughs> uh, must have been really sad today. Tell me mm-hmm. all about it, right? But then why that's really complicated then with couples is let's say like, let's say, you know, again, we'll just stay with the Super Bowl couple. Right. The, 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 the wife, whatever, has, has this moment where she realizes I'm not a priority. You're prioritizing this game over me yet again. And she's hurt. She's going to have at least six seconds where her eyes narrow and her brow. <laughs> and then he's going to see this, right? The fella's going to yeah. see it, right? And then he's going to have at least six seconds where he's threatened. Oh, Jesus, I'm a disappointment again. And he's going to have six seconds of fight and flight and of freezing Mm -hmm. himself. And that passes back and forth really quickly. So the key thing is not to work on how do I make sure I start off as good. Mm. The key thing is where the real work of relationship starts is when the dance, the negative dance has already started. Mm. how do we go from a bad moment between us and back to good that's yeah. actually a much more important skill to develop yeah and, i can know, see that yeah parent, parenting tells us this all the time like look you can do everything you can you could get up two hours early and you could have lovely meditation music on you'd be like your heart is full of love and kindness for your children and then the you know, the alarm goes off. And they wake up. Yeah, they wake up. And then you're like, get, 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 brush your teeth. Get, put, I told you, put those shoes on. Like, get in yeah. the car, right? Like, look, there, it's just like, it's not, you're not going to stay in a place of, oh, I'm really good. You're going to have bad moments. And the mm. magic of relationship, just like the magic of parenting, happens in the repair. Yeah, that's such so a good how, point. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, how do you get back? shift in perspective that exactly. I think is really important. Exactly. So don't work on trying to be good. Work on how to go from bad back to good. 
Mm, I like that. So shifting towards the children, how do I, how do we um, cultivate empathy within our children? Well, that's really good. Like, that's a great question. You know, um, well, some of the first things I think are really important is not, not to teach, not to be telling kids to say, well, here's why I pause on this. Like, I, I don't think my kids are even at a place where they're developmentally able to have empathy yet. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing to realize. You know, I think it's really important to get educated on what is developmentally appropriate thing to be trying to teach our kids. Mm. Like, that's good. Because you don't want to be setting, it's just like we don't want to be setting our spouses up, right? To do, like asking them for things that they're just not capable of doing. Like, mm. like you're just going to hurt yourself and hurt them. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, and the same is true with our kids. Like, look, you know, like kids have to understand possession and mine they, before they could ever understand sharing. So yeah. if you're like when kids are in that place, mine, right? And you're like really trying to get them. No, you have to think about this other kid first. Like you're you're just fighting against you're fighting against nature. It's not going to work. That's well, so, interesting. So, yeah. so this is just the the first thing I would like. Just you know, just really try and be mindful about. Don't be upset with your, which I do still get upset. With. <laughs> Like, so like I get it, but then I repair, like I said, I recover, right? But, you know, they're just not able to be empathic necessarily mm-hmm. until at least, you know, five, six, seven, right? Um, so, so, but the other thing is then, yeah, so d- don't be telling them to say sorry, right? And making people apologize. And like I always say, an apology is the cherry on top of a cake, right? Or mm-hmm. Someone just told me it's a mixed metaphor. I'm really annoyed now. <laughs> you know that it's not really a cherry on top of the cake. But anyway, so so look, what we need to have, like, don't say telling people to say sorry. People say sorry all the time without having empathy. Yeah. Right? So this is one mm-hmm. of the first things I would advise parents to do is, is stop trying to get your your kids to say sorry. Right. One I love that would they do at our schools preschool is we teach the kids how to check in with other people's feelings. Yeah, that's right. good. Yeah, but but it's still at that point they're just going to remember it. Like I, I have moments with my daughter where you know she feels she's done something wrong, and she'll say, um, "Sorry, how are you feeling?" <laughs> she'll say, <laughs> "Go like it's one of these things that I yeah. have to say. I have to say just check the list. Yeah, check exactly. The You're just gaming the system. Mm. So, so the number one thing I would like you know just try and model it. Yeah, right. How do you model it? How do you repair? How do you connect first mm-hmm. with them? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just keep modeling it and modeling it and modeling it. Where, like, when they're hurting, you're more concerned with just checking in with their feelings than you are with correcting their behavior. Yeah. Right? And so that's, I always say, like, if I had only two words to say to a couple or a parent, right, they'd be connect first. Yes. Yeah. Connect first, you know, correct the whatever the behavior yeah. is second. Um, was I always love doing guerrilla parenting interventions at airports and stuff. <laughs> you know, like, cause you know, when the kid is melting down, I'll always like, if I can, I'll just go over and make a quick contact. Mm-hmm. Right. Would you just to take them away from that moment of overwhelm? The kid, yeah. Little kids are pretty easy to 
you know, like a connect with their feelings and then, yeah. you know, connect and redirect. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, I found the most um, useful thing for me, especially like, for example, when they come home from school and they start acting out or they're cranky, sassy, yeah. hey, what happened in school today? Like, and I often found, especially with my son, he'd be like, well, this happened on the playground today. And then all of a sudden I'm getting to what's really behind his behavior. And I could choose to either correct his behavior and send him off to his room or say, you know, what's going on in your head? Like, what do you, what's, you know, what happened today? Yeah, right. Exactly. And then with that information, again, how you respond to that is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to reflect back to him what it is he told you? So that he can feel like you really were hearing him? Is Mm -hmm. he, are you going to be able to accept that his experience is true? So if he said, like, a girl pulled my hair and I was really, really sad, are you going to say, well, what are you upset about a girl pulling your hair for? Or are you going to be like, oh, oh, my God, you're poor, your lovely hair? Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. are you going to actually accept it and validate his experience? And then are you, like, going to be able to let him see that I know what that feels like? If someone pulled my hair, I'd be really upset because I don't even yeah. know how to grab my <laughs> hair, right? So, like... So look, so that's huge. If you want to teach empathy, model it. And just so you got to like, let them see you heard them, accept their experience, validate it and find something inside yourself that I feel that too. And you show them in mm-hmm. real life how to do it. And they get to feel that inside. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a one-time thing. This is the other thing. It's not like I've done that once with my kids. So they're going to be an empathic human being. Right. Like I don't have to do it over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah. Which, by the way, let me, here's a, look, there's a lot, and there's a lot of people that they don't actually value empathy. No, they do, but they don't. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, it's an interesting thing. And for want, I'm going to get get in trouble. You can just cut this out. (laughs) No, there was research done. They did this study of like um, voters in the last presidential election. Mm-hmm. And there was one question that correlated the most on whether one voted for, uh, you know, President Trump or not. I think that's right. the first time I've ever said President Trump. Right. right. So, <laughs> and the question was, would you rather have an empath, a kind child or a disciplined child? Hmm. And, you know, the people that voted for President Trump, um, they overwhelmingly would prefer to have a disciplined child. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. So, so yeah, look, this is a fundamental, what kind of world do we want? Right. Right. If you really want to have a disciplined child and you got to really think about that when your child is bad, like, look, are we all, I have reactions like this, put it down. I told you to put it down. How would you not have listened to me? I have those moments, but they're temporary. Yeah. Can you have both? What's that? Can you have both? Well, of course. No, yeah. well, of course. Well, actually, let's get to that. You but do. you have to value both, right? You have to value both. But I'm going, but, but ultimately, in a moment, I have to meet the person with kindness and empathy mm-hmm. so that they know that they're valid, their feelings are valid, um, and so that they can then go and be kind and empathic yeah. to everyone else in the world, right? Including yeah. future partners and their children. Um, but when you say can you have both, Three things to be, at the most basic level, three things you got to be able to provide to be a good parent. Mm -hmm. Very, very basic level, right? Mm -hmm. One is you have, just like we were talking about the essence of emotional bonding, you got to be able to let your child know, I am here for you. 
and not just physically. You know, when you've just been in the living room watching, like, you know, reruns of Roseanne or whatever you watch, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you, like I am here for you physically and emotionally. When you're hurting, you can come to me. Mm-hmm. I am here, right? Um, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to empathize with you, right? And then the other one is you're enough for me. You are never a disappointment. You're not a failure, right? Mm, yeah. You're acceptable. You being you is enough. Now, the third one, and this is where like people that are really into this like attachment, they can forget then about the third one is really important. All that has to happen in a, inside a container that you create for your kids so that they're mm-hmm. safe in the world. So, for example, like, you know, when my, my five-year-old was like, you know, one and a half or whatever, she, she used to kick our dog. I, I'm a lab, I have the sweetest Labradoodle in the world, right? You know, and she'd kick the dog. And so, yes, I'm here for you, sweet daughter of mine. Yes, you're enough for me. And then the third one, I got to create a boundary here. You can't kick the dog. And then yeah. I'm going to make it relational. I, because I'm your primary attachment figure and I'm here to keep you safe, I cannot let you kick the dog. It's mm-hmm. about our relationship. Okay. Right? So, so, yeah, look, it's very important to create that container because your kids actually need that to feel safe. If all yeah. you're doing is you're enough for me and I'm here for you, yep. and, and, but there's, you're just in this wide open universe and the sky's the limit of what you can do, yeah. that's like, ooh, I better, they're going to try and find some edges, some boundaries for their yeah. world. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so, you know, having like boundaries you know, is really good for the kids. Yeah. Right. So, so anyway, I hope that answers. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, yeah. That's a great answer. Um, so when you have parents who are modeling this, when they have a nurturing relationship, what are the benefits to the family and the children? The benefits of the family and the children. I mean, again, you know, it's so interesting. I, I think about this primarily for myself. Um, well, well, so here's one benefit. Well, so look, I didn't have, I grew up in like a broken home. You know, my dad mm-hmm. is an alcoholic and my mom is a mm-hmm. heartbroken, you know, superwoman that raised her two kids, right? You know, yeah. did what she had to do. Um, and all I ever wanted to be was part of a family and feel like I belong. Um, and so my kids get that. Mm. My, the, 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 the most solid foundation you can give your kids so they can become all they could be in the world, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever that is, you know, um, is that you give them this base of they have a, a primary attachment figure or two primary attachment figures and emotional bonding figures that are there for them, that mm-hmm. they're enough for them, mm-hmm. and that they keep these boundaries so that then there's no need to be spending emotional energy or stress and anxiety on those most basic things. So just see, picture this. I always see this image, right? Imagine a little kid in a kitchen with their mom, right? And this kitchen has these beautiful sliding glass doors that go out onto a patio and then open up onto this beautiful garden all the flowers and trees and mm-hmm. a little pond. That kid, to be able to go out and play in that garden and find what they're curious about and study it and feel safe to do so, 
it's not mom telling them, get out there and play in that garden, right? They Mm -hmm. will go do it if they know mama's here. Yeah. I can rely on her to be here Mm -hmm. and I'm enough for her. Mm. Now they will feel safe and confident enough inside themselves to go explore the world. Yeah. And become as smart as they're capable of, to be as creative, as as connectful with the world, with other people, with themselves, mm-hmm. um, as com com yeah. um, you know, as thoughtful contemplative as as they can be. Um so yeah, it's the most important thing we could ever give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, one of the funny things my wife and I always talk about is in order to be a really good couple of therapists, you got to have relational trauma. Like, you know, I was saying like my background, like you can't, you can't do this work without knowing a lot mm-hmm. of emotional pain, in my opinion, and suffering mm-hmm. inside of yourself, right? Because yeah. again, you have to be able to empathize. Right. One of the funny um, things about the way my kids' lives are going, they're not going to get to be good master couples therapists. (laughs) It could be a great engineer, an architect, or artist, right? Um, But the way things are going, and who knows what life, how life will betray them. Life betrays all of us one way or the other, right? But the way things are going, they ain't going to be couples therapists. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I mean, we live, I often talk with my friends sometimes about how like, how good our kids have it just from the perspective of we worked really hard to give our kids what we didn't have. And so we literally are looking for opportunities to make, not make their lives difficult or hard, but to allow them to do hard things. Right. Because if they don't, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be disappointed (laughs) and they're disillusioned when they're on their own and things don't go their way. And when you know, they don't have what they think they need or they need to work harder for something. And so I, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up, can you, um, tell our listeners for those who are ready to, to make some changes in their relationship, um, give us like a place they can start something that they can just, yeah. very simple thing would go to empathy.com and it's my (laughs) website and it's empathy with an I on the end, not a Y on the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes. We'll tell. Yeah. San Francisco thing, right? You can't be spelling words properly. Though, like, change it around. Right. But so empathy with an eye on the end dot com. And um, there you'll see in the main menu to just a quiz mm-hmm. item. Hit, hit the quiz button. Take the quiz. And I, I, I'm kind of a little crazy. I built this pretty in-depth free mm-hmm. process. Oh, yeah. I've done it. Oh, you did it? Great. Yeah, me and my great, husband great. did it. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's great. What was it like? It was cool. I read through mine. My, um, yeah. my husband just did his the other the other night. Okay. Um, he's like, "What am I doing again? What am right, I doing? Right, right. What's the difference between feeling heard and understood?" Oh yeah, <laughs> <Just> do it. <laughs> well, exactly. It. <laughs> well, that's so funny. You know, one of the things I often see, and it's terrible that there are gender generalizations. It's yeah. not always true, but. Yeah. A lot of times, like, you know, women, they, they, take the, they look at the quiz and they go, oh, this is great. Like, yeah. I got the report. Let me get a cup of tea and I'm going to sit down with a blank. That's what I did. <laughs> right. And then the guy is like, like, the feedback I get from guys a lot is, well, could we just condense it? <laughs> like, just make a little, is there a summary? Is there, yeah. you know, yeah. fifth version? But yeah. anyway, so you basically go on, you take the quiz, you'll get what I refer to as your self-discovery report. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll basically tell you who you are in love and relationship from an mm-hmm. attack perspective. You invite your spouse 
then they would take the quiz. They'll get their self-discovery report. Mm -hmm. But then the really amazing thing is when both of you have taken the quiz, then we give you a third report, which is your Mm -hmm. relationship system report. Mm -hmm. And it tells you who you are together and what you have to work on for the rest of your life. The amazing, (laughs) amazing couple and parents to your incredibly wonderful, never bold children. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. And good dog owners too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, just go to com and take the quiz. And I, you know, I have other stuff, but that's the easiest way to get yeah. started. And the okay. least like commitment. Yeah. All right, that's fantastic. All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being on the show. This I learned so much and oh, I really well, enjoyed you. this. Thank you for having me on. You can find figs at www.empathy.com. Empathy is spelt E-M-P-A-T-H-I. You can also take his free quiz at empathy.com forward slash pre dash quiz. I'll link to all of this in the show notes. The Family Culture Project has a great site, but do you know what's even a better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she has a lot of smart things to say about family, faith, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're done listening to the episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.